0: Hi friends, welcome to another episode of the Oakham Church podcast. We've made it to the last in our summer series where we're asking this question that Jesus asked of his original disciples: Who do you say that I am? When this was first geared towards those disciples, it was talked about in a very kind of general, kind of open way of who do who are other people? saying that I am what's the what's the gossip what's the word on the street about who people think that I am what are their theories what are their opinions what are the what's the kind of things that you've heard as you've been going from town to town and place to place who is it that people think the son of man actually is what who do they think I am what do they think I'm here to do and when the disciples give a bit of a, a list of various different things, Jesus then turns it and makes it more personal. He says, OK, you've answered that question. Now answer this question. What about you? Who do you say that I am? And all of a sudden it gets very more, much more personal. It gets much more um, Uh, Important and weighty in how they answer this question. So much so that we only hear of one disciple actually answering this second question, even though lots of them were quite quick to jump in and answer the first. The point of this summer series has been to see that actually Jesus still asks that question today of us, his disciples today. As Jesus' followers, Jesus is asking us, Who do you say that I am? Not just with words, as we've seen over this series, but how we live out our life. How does how we live and how we love in the world today, how does that reveal to other people and even reveal to ourselves who we believe Jesus to be? And so as we get to this final week in this summer series, uh, we're going to look at one more of Jesus's I Am statements. He asked, who do you say that I am? And with that, we're looking at who Jesus says he is and seeing if we can draw these two together. And so our our statement today is from John chapter 11, starting in verse 25. You don't have to wait for the end. This is Jesus talking. You don't have to wait for the end. I am right now resurrection and life. The one who believes in me, even though he or she dies, will live. And everyone who who lives believing in me does not ultimately die at all. I am the resurrection and the life sure you've heard that before I'm sure you've probably even heard people speak about that before it's definitely something that if you've been to a funeral you'll have heard um, read out or spoken out uh, during that service but what does that mean I am the resurrection and the life what does that mean you see this this statement I am, whenever anyone heard that takes people way back to the beginning of the first time that they heard that spoken from divine, from this divine kind of audio experience of the burning bush with Moses, where Moses, as he's fearful of going back to Egypt, going back to Pharaoh, to telling him to, to let the people go, let the slaves, let the Israelites go. He says, what do I do if if people don't believe me? What if what if when I go there and I say I've had this encounter with with God Yahweh and 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 I've come here now to to get these people released? What what do people? What do I say if people say, well, who is this God? What is this God's name? Who has sent you? What do I tell them? Who are you? Who do I say that you are? Ultimately, is what Moses asks, and in that moment. God says, I am who I am. And then thousands of years later, here is Jesus saying, I am once again. I am the resurrection and the life. But what does it mean? Well, as we remember at Easter, it means when we think of resurrection that the tomb is empty. But again, what does that mean? What does any of this mean? Well, on Sunday, I'm going to link it to another story within the Gospels. And so we're going to read that right now as well. Luke 24. Again, a very well-known story. Luke 24, starting in verse 13. The same day, two of them were walking to the village Emmaus, about seven miles out of Jerusalem. They were deep in conversation, going over all these things that had happened. In the middle of their talk and questions, Jesus came up and walked along with them, but they were not able to recognise who he was. He asked, "'What's this you're discussing so intently as you walk along?' And they just stood there lung-faced, like they'd lost their best friend. Then one of them, his name was Cleopas, said, "'Are you the only one in Jerusalem who hasn't heard what's been happening during these last few days?' And he said, "'What has happened?' They said the things that happened to Jesus, the Nazarene. He was a man of God, a prophet, dynamic in work and word, blessed by both God and all the people. And then our high priests and leaders betrayed him, got him sentenced to death and crucified him. And We had our hopes up that he was the one, the one about to deliver Israel. And it is now the third day since it happened. But now some of our women have completely confused us. Early this morning, they were at the tomb couldn't find his body they came back with the story that they had seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive some of our friends went off to the tomb to check and found it empty just as the women had said but they didn't see Jesus then he said to them so thick-headed so slow-hearted why can't you simply believe all that the prophets said don't you see that these things had to happen that the Messiah had to suffer and only then enter into his glory and he started at the beginning with the books of Moses and went on through all the prophets, pointing out everything in the scriptures that referred to him. They came to the edge of the village where they were healed, or where they were headed. He acted as if he were going on, but they pressed him Stay and have supper with us. It's nearly evening. The day is done. So he went in with them. And here is what happened He sat down at the table with them. Taking the bread, he blessed and broke and gave it to them. At that moment, open-eyed, wide-eyed, they recognised him, and then he disappeared. Back and forth they talked. Didn't we feel on fire as he conversed with us on the road, as he opened up the scriptures for us? They didn't waste a minute. They were up and on their way back to Jerusalem. They found the 11 and their friends gathered together, talking away. It's really happened. The master has been raised up. Simon saw him. Then the two went over everything that had happened on the road and how they had recognised him when he broke the bread. This is, of course, the um, road to Emmaus story. And we see that these disciples have uh, have just basically given up. Um, At this point, they believe that Jesus isn't who they thought he was. As I said in the story, we had hoped that he was going to be the one to rescue Israel. We had hoped that this Jesus that we had left everything to follow was Messiah. But now he's dead. Now he's been dead for three days. Now even the promises of him resurrecting seem to be dead. Everything about this story, this situation seems to be dead and buried in a tomb. And so these disciples were leaving. They were out of there. And we're told about the way that they were walking on that road as Jesus met them. Uh, There's a a piece of art uh, that I want to uh, kind of reference. I'm going to show it on Sunday. And I understand that um, trying to talk on a predominantly kind of audio-based platform, such as a podcast, trying to talk about something quite so visual as a painting, um, it's not going to quite work. Uh, but if you've got the ability to um, maybe pause this and, and search for the picture or get on another device on a computer and Google this image, it's well worth a look. Um, the artist is called Janet Brooks Gerloff. And the piece of artwork is simply called Emmaus. If you get chance to, to look at this, I, I do, I do uh, encourage you to do so. It's this... Um, very simple and yet very beautiful image. It's this vision of of these two friends walking very closely together. They're both um, feeling the weight of what's going on as they walk this road to Emmaus, walking and talking. And into this scene, we see a third character. But it's portrayed in a very unusual way, a very mystical way. You see, you have You're looking at the scene from behind these disciples. So they've got their backs to you as they're walking almost away from the picture. But right next to them, just as closely as they are to each other, is this third figure. But this third figure is simply an outline, almost like an empty space. And yet still just as present in that picture as the other two disciples. Maybe I'd suggest even more present than they are. Right into the middle of their story, right into the middle of all of their fears and doubts and worries and stress and disappointment about how their lives had turned out. They'd given up everything. They'd spent, maybe even as they're seeing it now, wasted the last three, three and a half years of their lives following this person that they believed was a particular person. They believed that this was Messiah. And they believed that being Messiah would mean that this person would be something and do something that now they believed he hadn't done. But now, out of nowhere, the presence of Jesus appears. And that's a truth that speaks to all of us, isn't it? And um, we've all had times when perhaps it's felt like we're like those two disciples walking on that road. Um, maybe we don't even feel like we're lucky enough to the, for there to be two of us. Maybe we feel like we're completely alone on that road, completely abandoned, completely disillusioned and disappointed and confused and angry maybe about how your life is turning out. But the truth is, and this is a, this is the good news of this message, is that God has the habit of disrupting our shattered dreams and stepping into that pain and into that disappointment and into that doubt and walking with us, coming right into the middle of our despair and our hurt and our confusion and our distress. And Jesus walks with us. It's in those moments of absence that we can truly feel God's presence. It's when we feel like there's nobody here with us, there's nobody for us, that God comes to be with us and to be for us. It's in those times when we feel completely alone that we realise we're not. In fact, as we saw last Sunday, it's in the feeling alone that makes us not alone. It reminds us that we are part of something bigger even if it doesn't feel like it at the moment and in that story on the road to Emmaus Jesus walks and talks with these disciples explaining and showing and revealing all the ways that what Jesus did and who Jesus was was ultimately to fulfill the promises and that these these things that had happened in the last few days weren't evidence that Jesus wasn't who they thought he was it was just more and more evidence that Jesus was who they thought he was. That they should dare to dream again. That they should be bold enough to be available and vulnerable to him right there and right now. That they shouldn't be trying to leave. That they shouldn't be running away. That they shouldn't be hiding themselves away, locked in a room, thinking that it was all over. It's in the absence that we can feel God's presence. Friends, grace and peace.